This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome to Invest Talk. This is our May 11th, 2020 edition of Invest Talk. And states are reopening. Indiana is actually allowing restaurants to accept dining customers. Apple is reopening stores in four states, including South Carolina. And so economic activity is resuming to some degree. It's slow. It's going to be a slow reopening. Uh, TSA said that they've seen a 91% drop in passenger loads. Well, that's up from, I think at one point it was 99%. So we know this is going to be a slow slog. And we have more than 30 million unemployed people, um, but the market's up. So we're going to touch on that today on why it is up. And it's a pretty simple explanation. I'm going to give you a simple analogy coming up. And for investors, uh, you know, you probably want answers, right? And you're here because you want to achieve your own version of financial freedom. And we do that or we help you do that by answering a broad range of finance and investing questions. So I'm going to do my best today to provide you with some unbiased answers. And I know you want strategies that work in this market, so I'm going to do my best to give you some background, give you some information, give you some perspective to maybe improve your strategy. So I'm ready to take your calls and questions at 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. I'm Justin Klein, and through this Invest Talk radio program and podcast, Steve and I can help you become a better investor. And we do this with a philosophy of independent thinking and shared success. And we're different because we are dedicated to unbiased guidance. It's really what it's all about. Um, you know, and I've been accused on both sides of the political aisle of being on the other. Uh, so I think that's always interesting. Um, but I want to, before I, I continue on with the show, I want to show you kind of how, uh, I, I'm going to bring up a topic, topic at hand right now, the coronavirus, to discuss how so many people get too bogged down on one side or the other and fail to look at both sides, look at the fact that Guess what? Multiple people across corporations, about cost, across both sides of the aisle, uh, nonprofit organizations, they can all make mistakes. Um, and I'm going to point to, uh, I don't know if anyone saw the 60 Minutes piece last night, but I, I want to bring this up because it really left out a big part of the story, um, which is, is concerning. And so I want all of you to know that. So basically, the 60 Minutes uh, uh, piece talks about uh, the interview, uh, a guy named Peter Dasek, he's the president of the nonprofit organization Eco Health Alliance, and they do virus research. And that's what we talked about on 60 Minutes last night. And 
basically what what they left out was the type of virus research that he does. Uh, basically, in 2014, the NIH, headed by Dr. Fauci, was uh, approved a study in re, uh, in, uh, in viruses and how they mutate and how they spread. And what the 60 Minutes piece didn't say at all was what type of research they were doing, which was gain-of-function research, which basically is how do viruses mutate to gain a function like being able to infect humans. So this was approved in 2014, and it was actually soon outlawed in 2014 because of controversy around it. Because basically a lot of scientists, not one, hundreds of scientists, were concerned that, hey, if this gets out in a lab, it can create a pandemic. Dr. Fauci and many other uh, scientists thought that this was worthwhile research. But in 2014, there was a moratorium on gain-of-function research by the United States. Well, in 2017, it was reversed. The moratorium was picked back up, or was, was uh, reversed. And they started again. And it was refunded in 2019. The first uh, grant under Obama was funded in 2014, and it was re-upped in 2019 under the Trump administration. So you see two administrations doing this, and they did this research, outsourced this research to Peter Daszak and the, uh, what is it, what's the name of it again? The EcoHealth Alliance. And so last night on 60 Minutes, they interviewed Peter Dosak, who's basically saying that there was nothing wrong, but they didn't mention the gain-of-function research that's being done in that lab. So of all the places in the world that this controversial research was being done in China, in a very populous area of China, in the most populous country, this research was done. And then in 2018, the U.S. Embassy sent a cable to back to the United States, saying that this lab had inadequate safety and they were worried about it. So you have U.S.-funded gain-of-function research being done outsourced to China. Our embassy reported back that this was a lab that had poor safety measures and then was re-upped again in 2019, this, this grant, and then a pandemic breaks out in that same city. It's pretty obvious to me what happened here. And so, once again, this is just what, when you look at investing, you have to look at both sides. You have to look at the pros and the cons. And oftentimes, there's very good arguments on both sides. And too often, too many people put too much credence on their side, right? Their tribe, they, they, have, they, they stick to their tribalism and fall in love with a company or fall in love with a political party and fail to look at both sides of the argument and make a balanced decision. And so I just wanted to put that out there because I didn't feel like that story last night was fair because didn't mention gain-of-function research at all didn't mention the controversy around it and the fact that it was banned. And so 
you have to look at both sides of every argument. Okay, so hopefully uh, gives you a clear picture and helps you understand that. Guess what? A lot of people on both sides of the aisle can make pro make mistakes, and we live in a crony capitalist system, so not a shock here. Now you're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. We are still making minor adjustments to our audio system, and I think we made some good ones today. So hopefully we improve that. So thank you to all the listeners who stayed with us, and an extra thank you to all those who have been telling your friends and family members about the free Invest Talk podcast downloads. And now I'm here and ready to take provide unbiased answers to your finance and investing questions. We're taking your calls live at 888-99-CHART. The COVID-19 pandemic has forced millions of people to stay home, which is getting in the way of everyone's normal exercise routine. Gyms are closed, people are stuck inside, and tightness and stiffness are afflicting us all. This is the perfect time to focus on your personal health and wellness. And I know you have heard me say this before, but recently I discovered this great product to reduce my pain and stiffness caused by sitting too long at my desk doing research and talking to clients. It has 13 all-natural ingredients and is sold in hundreds of doctor's offices, pharmacies, and gyms, and spas throughout the country. This muscle rub made by Quanta, a publicly traded applied science company, has patented technology proven to supercharge key ingredients and make them perform five times more effectively within the human body. It is optimized to drastically reduce both pain and inflammation naturally. I know this sounds too good to be true, but they have their white papers to prove it. I use their various health and wellness products every day and find a host of different benefits. Additionally, for a limited time, listeners of our program can receive promotional discount pricing at buyquanta.com. Use the promo code INVEST to save 20% on your first order. In fact, Quanta is so highly confident you'll be pleased with their products. That's why they offer a money-back guarantee if you aren't satisfied with the results. Again, simply use the code INVEST to save 20% at buyquanta.com. B-U-Y-Q-U-A-N-T-A.com. You are listening to Invest Talk. It's Monday. There has been some optimism about the COVID-19 crisis, and the markets have shown volatility. So you'll have investment and finance questions, and Justin Klein is here ready with answers. Call Invest Talk 888-99-CHART. Hi, uh, Steve and Justin. This is Krish from New Jersey. I'm a new listener to your uh, podcast, and I love your podcast very much. I would like your opinion on the biotech company called Amarin, A-M-R-N. Is it a good point to buy now? It was $19 a few days ago, and it came down to $4 because it lost its patent, and it has recovered since then to about $7. So I was just wondering if it is a good time to buy some position in that. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Well, if they lost their patent, uh, the question is what... What does that mean for their business? Is that how many patents do they have? How big of a piece of revenue was this patent? Uh, I, I really need to know a little more background on it. Uh, now, the history of this company is that they they went IPO back in 2000 and let's see, oh, they've been around for a long time actually, 93. Um, but it's split adjusted way way lower. This goes back to um, yeah, this is a, a pretty much 
a destroyer of capital. It went IPO split adjusted around $800 or $600 a share. Now we're at 20 or $7.89 a share. Uh, and for years it didn't have any revenue. It started to have revenue in 2013 and uh, it's been growing ever since, but it's never really made money. So while you think this is right at the alley of this COVID-19 uh, pandemic because they developed novel drugs for treatment of cardiovascular disease within the field of lipid science. And so, you know, I, I the fact that it's now down in this pandemic, uh, they're losing a patent, they've never been really profitable, even though analysts are expecting profitability next year, but they've never had it. And last quarter, they lost three cents a share. So I'm going to pass on Amarin. I don't think this is a good name. I really needed to know deeper dive into that loss of patent and, and, and other drugs potential. Um, but the chart looks terrible and the fundamentals look terrible as well. Now, my main talking point today concerns the story that while the stock market is up in spite of historic job losses, jobs data is backward looking, but the federal government providing record stimulus measures can, so some analysts are arguing that it's what will help us recover swiftly. And are they right? We're going to talk about that. Also, let's look at the markets. Actually, I'm going to talk about a few other things today. One is a lesson learned by a trader in the oil markets. And uh, I think this is going to be interesting to everyone uh, just to understand what you don't know. You don't know what you don't know. And unless you really understand your investments, you can make big mistakes. And this will be, uh, this is was potentially a costly mistake. Luckily, he had it covered, but uh, it definitely is a, a learning lesson for everybody. Also, the mortgage market, it is breaking again, and what is going to be needed to fix it? We're going to talk about that. Then, college graduation was supposed to be around this time, but clearly they're not going to be walking, but there's still lessons to be learned by new graduates, uh, the young people who are just starting out in their career and financial journey. We're going to touch on that as well. Let's take a look at the market today. While the NASDAQ was up about three quarters of a, of a percent, the rest of the market was relatively weak. You had the NYSE down about seven tenths of one percent. You had the S&P barely up half a half a point on the S&P and you had the Russell 2000 down eight points which equates to you know, two two tenths of one percent so nothing big on that front in the market you know we had a, a decent rally last week and the big question is will the S&P be able to get above last week so I guess it would be like two weeks ago high right you had a very bearish reversal candle on the charts in the S&P and the NYSE and a lot of the, the Russell, a lot of the major indexes on a week before last. And often when that happens, you get kind of a retrace of the top of that tail and that's what you, you, you've seen. And the big question is, is it going to fail? If it fails, it's definitely uh, a big bearish check mark. Uh, if we can close above, not last week's high, the week before, then I think that will be a nice, uh, that, that'll be a check mark for the bulls. After the break, we will take a live question from Brian in San Mateo. But for now, I have unbiased answers for your questions. So you can call right now at 888 chart
Invest Talk is made possible by KPP Financial, where Invest Talk hosts and KPP principals Steve Peasley and Justin Klein practice parallel investing. That means Steve and Justin's accounts participate with client investments at equal prices and percentages. You can learn more about parallel investing at investtalk.com. Let's go to Brian in San Mateo looking at HFRO, which is the Highland Income Fund. Are you after that big dividend? Hey, Justin. How are you? I'm doing well. Are you uh, you trying to get that dividend, I'm assuming? Uh, it's, uh, it's kind of a mouth-watering dividend, but uh, I wanted to get your take on the, the viability of that dividend moving forward. Well, first off, uh, you have to understand this is a closed-end fund. Do you know what a closed-end fund is? Yes. Okay. So they have about a 40% leverage. That's how you're getting that juicy dividend, right? They are leveraging right. themselves up to, to get that dividend and then investing in securities. Now, you can do that in a safe way or you can do that in a risky way. And while 82% of the fund is invested in bonds... About 65, call it two-thirds of those, actually more than that, 75%, 75% of the portfolio is invested in double B or worse securities, so junk-rated securities, okay? And they oh, own... Reassuring. Yeah, definitely not Yeah, definitely not reassuring. Now, they have some commercial uh, mortgage-backed securities... They have some, yeah, they, 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 they're not just corporates, about 61% corporates, 30% securitized, pretty much commercial mortgage-backed securities and asset-backed securities. So uh, obviously the commercial side is in big, big trouble. Asset-backed can mean a lot of things, but you know, typically in this market, that's not going to be uh, good either. And then, like I said, 43% are bank loans and 11% is in preferred shares, which are struggling as well because of their place in the capital structure. So in no way, shape, or form would I say this is a safe dividend. This is a very high-risk name uh, with a lot of leverage and invested in a lot of shady, or not shady, shoddy, not shady, shoddy securities that uh, are going to likely remain impaired for some time. And I'm sure part of their portfolio will go bankrupt. So I would definitely pass on HFRO, the Highland Income Fund. And watch out for that. Watch out for the leverage. A lot of those closed-end funds, they look enticing. You know, you're getting, especially now, double-digit dividend yields. However, you're taking massive risk for that because you're leveraging, uh, they're leveraged, right, which means you're leveraged, you're investing in them. Uh, to, in order to get that yield. And that's why this name has gone down from the high of... Sorry, just bringing that up here. From, you know, before the pandemic at around $12, now we're at 7 12 60 actually, to all the way to $7.13. So definitely stay away. Now let's talk a little bit about the market and... We have 30 million unemployed people, and but the market is up. And a lot of analysts are saying that the market is discounting a 
Not what's happening now, but what's going to happen three, six, nine months from now. And that's actually true. That is, that tends to be how the market looks, right? Market is forward looking, not backwards looking. What the current unemployment rate is, is back is, is backwards looking, right? It's a lagging indicator. But what are the leading indicators? Now, that's where I kind of scratch my head here is that the leading indicators, while yes, they're going to improve, you're coming from a very, very low base, both in you know travel and consumer spending. You're going to have uh, more people going back to work. That's certainly going to go up. So, especially the headlines are going to be like, oh, you know, employment's up 20%. Well, yeah, a lot of people will eventually go back to work. Uh, however, the market is kind of acting like the worst is over. And I just don't see that as the likely outcome here. You know, retailers, restaurants are going to have to take precautionary measures. It's going to limit efficiency and, and spending. Uh, and the reopening process is going to be, like I said from the beginning, fits and starts. You're going to have outbreaks. Uh, I believe, is it Korea? Is Korea or Taiwan? I think it was Korea is having another outbreak now. And I think that's what you're likely going to see. And what you see now is liquidity. Liquidity is being put into the system. And liquidity is flowing to where it has for the past decade plus into risky equities. Because the people that are getting a hold of this liquidity, corporations, banks, this is where the money tends to flow, right? There's a reason why milk still costs the same from a decade ago, but Picasso's cost $100 million because the money printing has gone to the top 1%. That's why the wealth disparity is so large. So it's not hard to see where this is coming from. Now, the next invest stock, the story, an analyst opinion is warning a much more severe stock market sell off ahead. The day is coming when the reality of the dire state of the economy catches up with equity investors, but the depth and duration of the calamities are still unknowable. That story tomorrow, Steve will cover. But for now, I'm Justin Klein. I'm ready to take your questions live at 888-99-CHART. Numbers are elusive. But if it goes to zero, do you lose all your money? They're always changing. Their debt-to-equity ratio is fairly low. Invest Talk listeners know it's all about the numbers. I'm 82. I'm interested in knowing what the recommended withdrawal rate would be. So the questions keep coming. Hi, Steve and Justin. I'm question regarding real estate. Everything counts. I was wondering if you could shed a little bit more light on ExxonMobil. Jason El Segundo, how you doing? Let's go to Robert in San Leandro. He wants an ETF follow-up. Steve Peasley and Justin Klein, thank you for your continued support. I really appreciate your insight and your understanding of the market and financial business. Since it all started, the total number of InvestTalk downloads has now exceeded 22 million. Hi, Steve and Justin. I've been listening to you guys for two years, and I absolutely love your show. InvestTalk.com. This is InvestTalk, the radio program and podcast 
dedicated to helping you achieve financial freedom. You may be a regular listener. You may even have called a few times. But if you've never called, what are you waiting for? The phone lines are open, and Steve and Justin would love to hear your questions right now. Call 888-99-CHART. Hey, Steve and Justin. This is David from Napa. Uh, Justin, I'm also a Chapman alumni, class of 2010. Go Panthers. I'm 32 years old and have collected silver and gold bullion since 2014 as a hobby slash hedge against inflation. Um, I took inventory recently and realized that this now has to be treated as an investment in, uh, with the new run of quantitative easing, easing going on. Uh, the current valuations of precious metals has led this to grow into a very overweight position for my portfolio. Uh, so I guess my question is, I believe there will be an opportunity in real estate in the next year or two and was planning to liquidate a good amount of the stack to buy my first income property. Do you think mortgage rates can go below 3% if I have good credit and a bigger than normal down payment, or would it be better to wait on real estate and rotate from precious metals back into equities if the indexes dip again, or hold the silver and gold through into the uh, QE cycle? Anyways, appreciate you guys, and uh, we'll look forward to listening to the answer on the podcast. Thanks. Bye. All great questions, and uh, yeah, go Panthers. I haven't talked to many uh, uh, Chapman alumni that, that call on the show, so I uh, appreciate that. And uh, now if you saw my, you can go on our YouTube channel and you can see my analysis of the markets from Friday. Uh, so you should probably head over there and subscribe if you want. Uh, but I talked, you talk about gold and silver and, and show some charts on how the when the deficit grows, gold and silver, gold I just talked about, goes up. And you know now we're going to go from one trillion dollar deficit to four trillion, which would be record. And and so I, I still am very bullish on the on the gold and silver space. Uh, so I I would probably err on the side of holding more gold and silver than than less, at least for the time being. Uh, and real estate, you know, real estate's slow. Real estate moves very slow. And you just can look at the last cycle. We had the crisis in 2008, right? And the housing market started going down really 2006, definitely 2007. And we didn't bottom out in real estate prices till in about 2011, right? And so, I mean, you can maybe even say 2012. If you look at the Dow Jones, yeah, you, yeah, late 2011, it was pretty much when the housing market bottomed. You know, we worked through the inventory, the, the, the system adjusted. Because real estate, it's not like stocks. You can't put a house in the market and sell it one minute later or one second later like you can with a stock. It takes months to move a property. So the prices that you're seeing now in general are kind of old prices. They're based on pre-COVID economy, right? We're only two plus months into this. It's not like... It's not like you've seen a, a massive amount of volume either, right? The home sales have fallen fairly dramatically over the past couple of months as well. So the full effect of this recession is on the real estate market is likely to be dragged out for two, three, four, maybe five years. So I think it's definitely a time that you should be more patient. I like the fact that you're looking to diversify away from having too heavy a pressure metals. I definitely don't think you should have you know, too much, but I think the opportunities in 
the real estate market are still a ways off. And that's why I would urge a little more patience. And now, do I think real or mortgage rates get below 3%? Possibly. The Fed's going to definitely try to keep rates low. It's their main tool to manipulate the economy. And I think they're going to use it as much as possible. Let's go to John in Santa Cruz looking at OKE, which is Oneoke. This is down big. Do you own it or are you looking to buy it? Uh, looking to buy it, but I'm wondering okay. if the dividend is uh, relatively safe. Um, so I'm wondering what you think and the financial um, uh, quality of this company. All right, so this is Oneoke. There, let me look at their. Oneoke provides natural gas gathering, processing, storage, and transportation, as well as natural gas liquids transportation and fractionation. Uh, it owns a lot of assets in Mid-Continent, Permian, and Rocky Mountain regions. So kind of the, the core of fracking. So it moves the natural gas and liquids that are, maybe the natural gas that are coming, it's coming out of the shale regions. And that is the problem here, is that that clearly is being cut dramatically and how soon will shale come back? Now, the good thing is shale typically only takes 30 to 60 days to start moving again, right? When you decide to restart a rig, it happens a lot faster than your traditional supply of, of oil or natural gas. So that's a positive. But if oil prices or natural gas prices in this case, actually, this is really about oil prices because natural gas is companies aren't drilling typically for shale oil or shale for natural gas. It's a byproduct of drilling for oil in general. This is generalities. And so that's one of the reasons why you're seeing some strength in natural gas, but that's not going to help Oneoke, I don't think, because they need shale oil to be drilled and have the byproduct of the natural gas. And so this is a company with a lot of debt, uh, about $14 billion in long-term debt, $12 billion market cap. Uh, they are they lost 34 cents a share last quarter. Uh, yeah, I, definitely the yield is not safe. You're talking about a dividend yield of 12%, okay. but their cash dividend pay ratio is negative 78% because last quarter they had negative free cash flow of $526 million. So the first thing they're going to do probably very soon is cut that dividend. So I would absolutely stay away from it. I think they're going to uh, cut that dividend, uh, especially if natural gas prices or oil prices actually in this case stay relatively low and make shale oil, oil drilling uneconomical. And so I would stay away from Oneoke. Okay, will do. Thanks for the call. <laughs> Thank you. No problem. If you're listening to Invest Talk, I'm Justin Klein. During these times, you might have some extra time. You're not commuting working from home. So I encourage you to explore the finance and investment information we have on our website at investtalk.com. There's more, uh, the most immediate valuable resource obviously is the podcast. And you can also see our investment strategies that we offer through KP Financial as well and our active 401k program that uh, is probably applies to most of you out there that have any type of 401k account. You can start exploring right now at investtalk.com. Dot com. And if you want to set up more one-on-one -on -one meetings uh, with myself or Steve, you can do that at our Irvine, California office, or we can do that 
via telephone, Skype, or Jive meetings, and we do those daily. So you can go over there and click on the Contact Us button, and we will get back to you. And now I'm taking your questions live at 888-99-CHART. This is Invest Talk. Steve and Justin have just recorded a new Rapid Fire Hour. At a faster pace, you can hear answers to 29 caller questions. The podcast download is free. Go to investtalk.com, search April Bonus Show. And now the phone lines are open. Steve and Justin welcome your calls. 888-99-CHART. Hi, Justin or Steve. This is Tammy. I'm calling from Fulton, California. I'm looking into long-term investments, and I'm trying to decide between Coca-Cola and Pepsi. And I was wondering if you could give me your thoughts on both of those companies and which one you thought might be a better investment. Thank you. All right. Well, you're looking at two similar companies, clearly. But I'm going to go with Pepsi. Uh, And here's the reason why. They're more diversified. Obviously, you have your colas, just like Coca-Cola does. But Pepsi also has snacks, right? And they own, I think they own Doritos and uh, what are all their brands? Obviously, yeah, Doritos, Lay's, Ruffles, they own Gatorade, Frito-Lay, yeah. You know, I, I just, they have partnerships with Starbucks. Their return on equity is 51%, which is very, very high. Uh, I think... The in-store, in-restaurant experience is going to be hurt for some time, and that's going to hurt Coke overall, I think, because they're more reliant on just the, uh, the, the soft drink. Their soft drink business is better, but I like that Pepsi is more diversified uh, in their business, and you know, Coke just, uh, just doesn't have that diversification like I would like away from the drink sector. 8899 chart, 8892 We have about let's see, 12 minutes left. So if you're going to call, you want to do it right now. So let's touch on a story from the recent plunge in oil prices. Remember when it went negative, negative, what was it, $37 or something? I forget the exact number. But this was a trader, Syed Shah. And he's in Toronto, a day trader in Toronto, and he was trading with Interactive Brokers. And he was trading oil futures, crude oil futures. And he started buying on April 20th at about $3.30. Figured, how low can oil go? Then he bought more at 50 cents. And then I went all the way down to a penny. I figured, I can't lose. It's only a penny. It's got to go up from here, right? Well, Interactive Broker's system did not or was not able to quote a negative number. So it just went to a penny. And so he bought so much at a penny that he woke up the next day and Interactive Brokers had told them that his account worth $77,000 to start the day was now negative $9 million. Nine million dollars. Now, luckily, the CEO of uh, Interactive Brokers stepped up, and he wasn't the only one. 
and they had to cover these trades because it was their system's fault not being able to show that negative number. And it cost Interactive Brokers $113 million to, to cover those losses. But it's a pretty interesting story, especially with everyone wanting to buy USO, right? Let's take a look at USO. Remember everyone wanted to buy it last week uh, when it reverse split at about uh, to $18. It is up a little bit to about $21. Uh, but, you know, it's just, it's all the way down from an all-time high of, geez, what? Earlier this year of 85. <laughs> so uh, definitely uh, not a type of name that you, you want to own. Um, but it was just interesting to see how your average person can get into a trade, get into an investment they don't really understand. And this is where you get into big, big trouble. Luckily, he kind of got bailed out. Uh, it's kind of a glitch in the system. But I've seen many other cases where people blow up their whole financial picture not understanding the type of investments that they are making. Now let's keep things moving forward. Here comes another caller question from our Invest Talk Voice Bank. And you can, too, leave your own question at 888-99-CHART. Hi, Steve and Justin. I'm a fairly new investor, and I had a question. I was trying to understand a little bit more about the markets. I've heard you guys say things like buy the rumor, sell the news. That's an adage in the stock market. And I was trying to get a sense because during this earnings week, we've had a couple of big companies like Alphabet and Facebook who missed in some of their categories, and their stocks went up 5 to 10%. Then you have companies like Microsoft uh, and Apple who meet their expectations or, or exceed their expectations, and then their shares prices go down. So I'm just trying to understand what kinds of things can influence that when it comes to earnings. Thank you. I, I'm, I'll be looking forward to hearing this on the show. Have a great day. Now, there's two aspects of earnings releases that most people do not understand. The first is that the market is paying, they think the market is paying attention to what earnings they just reported. And in reality, the market cares very little about what just happened the last quarter. What do they care about more? Guidance. What is the management saying about the next quarter and the quarter after that? Now, clearly, if you miss drastically and it's a major change to your business, the market's going to punish the stock. But you miss by a couple cents, but you upgrade guidance, typically the market's going to reward that. It's going to like that. It's going to think, great, things, yeah, the, the last quarter wasn't as great as we thought, but we, you know, the, the analysts or, or the, the management is saying things are going to get better, even better than we thought originally. Okay. So it's more about guidance. Second off is that they think that beating or missing earnings has a, a direct reaction in relation to uh, the stock price. And in reality, it's about what that was in relation to expectations that the market has priced in, not what analysts are saying their earnings should be. But what price movements going into that earnings, the stock has priced in, right? So if a stock is rallying strong into earnings and then they beat earnings, oftentimes 
it can sell off, right? Buy the rumor that they're going to beat earnings and sell the news that they actually beat earnings, okay? So that's why a lot of times when you see the stock rallying into earnings and they have good earnings, they have a great earnings report and stock might go up. A lot, most of the time, that upside is very limited because it rallied into earnings. And same thing on the other side. You could have a stock go down and then they beat earnings and you're gonna see that stock really skyrocket because the market was discounting a disappointment and it actually beat. So it's really about its expectations versus, or its results versus what the market is priced in. This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein, and we have one goal here. And that's to help you achieve your own version of financial freedom. And our work continues after this break. So get your questions in now at 888 chart On the next Invest Talk, an analyst's opinion is warning a much more severe stock market sell-off is ahead when the reality of the dire state of our economy catches up with equity investors. That story tomorrow. But now Justin Klein is here. He'll have unbiased answers to your questions. Call Invest Talk 888-99-CHART. Hey, Stephen, Justin, how you doing? It's Mark from Philadelphia. I was interested in purchasing General Electric, ticker GE, as I'm sure you know. Maybe about 1,600 shares, so you know, relatively small position, perhaps averaging in. Uh, I like the stock, you know, pre-COVID at least, it had expected revenue around 0.6 cents per share, or 60 cents per share, rather, $4 billion in cash flow. Again, uh, expected this is pre-COVID. I know much has changed with aviation. But I do like the stock as a long-term play, and I just wanted to see what your thoughts were on it. Thank you. I am not a fan of GE. Uh, you know, for years, they had beat, quote-unquote, beat earnings by a penny. Uh, was it Jack Welsh, I think it was? Uh, i trying to remember the leader who, who, who was uh, overseeing that. But basically, they used accounting gimmicks in order to, quote-unquote, beat earnings. And over those years of bad acquisitions and uh, shoddy, I guess, accounting gimmicks, their books have become a nightmare. Uh, and their debt levels have become enormous, and you know they've they have a lot of goodwill on their balance sheet, and it's just it's just a nightmare business to really understand to really unpack. Uh, their cash flow is strongly negative, and they just have a ton of debt. The profitability is is terrible, and. You know, I might say things are getting better if the chart was getting better, but the chart is near all-time lows. You know, it's barely above where it was in March, right? It bottomed just below $6, and now it's at $6.19. So its relative strength is terrible. And so I would absolutely pass on GE because it's uh, it has too much debt and it's just not a name that I would want to have any money in, uh, especially until there's more clarity on the business and the chart gets better. 888.99 chart, 888.992-4278. Let's touch on the mortgage market. You know, the mortgage market is, is in trouble uh, mainly because of the transformation of the industry away from banks and into non-bank financial institutions. 
And non-banks made 59% of U.S. mortgages last year, which was the highest on record. Uh, Quicken Loans was the largest. They surpassed Wells Fargo, J.P. Morgan. uh, And big banks have focused more on wealthier borrowers, whereas non-banks have kind of stepped in to service your middle and low income borrowers and package those loans up and sell them off uh, as Fannie and Freddie backed mortgages. And right now they also service roughly half of all mortgages. That's five times the share as they were a decade ago. Now in good times, this is this is nice, right? They collect the payments from the borrowers, they handle uh, passing along uh, the money to investors, paying taxes, etc., and they get a slice of the interest. Now in bad times, like this, servicers are supposed to create new payment plans for struggling borrowers, and they're supposed to f- pay the investors before they actually get paid. And they're also supposed to initiate foreclosure, foreclosures if it gets that far. And many states have banned foreclosures for a little while. I know here in California, the governor banned it for 90 days past whenever they lift this emergency measure. So I don't think they've ha- had that yet. So eventually these services will get reimbursed for any losses if they're backed by Fannie and Freddie, but that can take years. It's a slow process to get reimbursed. Now about 7.5% of all mortgages are in forbearance and saying if this reaches the mid-teens, doubles from here, well, many of these could go under and this could be very bad for the mortgage market. So it's going to be very interesting to see how these non-banks are propped up and able to keep the mortgage market liquid. I'm Justin Klein. This is another Invest Talk program. I'll return Thursday. Steve Peasy will be here tomorrow. Please remember to download our April bonus show called the Invest Talk Rapid Fire Hour. It's free. Please tell your friends about Invest Talk. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is President and Justin Klein Chief Executive Officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART.